Welcome to another episode of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. Uh, my de- my guest today uh, is Jonathan Miller. Jonathan uh, is a speaker, facilitator, uh, conflict transformation coach, uh, and specialises in uh, working with entrepreneurs um, to be powerful in the face of conflict. Uh, joining me today to talk about um, some must-know techniques for having tough conversations uh, and how we can use conflict um, as a tool uh, for our growth. So, Jonathan with all of that welcome to the pocket mastermind podcast it's a pleasure to be here with you thank you where are you today today i am calling in from cape town south africa it's a rainy cold day and you can tell by my accent i'm not originally from here (laughs) so it's a different south african accent that's for sure that's right it can throw you off a little bit i'm originally from toronto canada calling in today from a wintry cape town south africa which is mostly just rain and a little bit chillier than usual and how did you end up in south africa i had a deep craving for adventure Mm -hmm. along with my wife we were thinking about moving for some time that was really stoked from a longer term trip that we had had and we could talk about that a little bit later but we knew that we wanted to live a much more adventurous life and we felt like our time in Toronto was coming to an end. And when we were scoping out different places that we wanted to move, one place that came to mind was Cape Town, South Africa, because we had a connection here, her uncle and aunt, who both work in the international development space. And that particularly interested us because as uh, professional coaches, one thing that we kind of saw as a challenge in the industry is the lack of accessibility of coaches for individuals who cannot afford such a service. And I so firmly believe in the power of coaching. It is an absolute miracle. It has been in my life. It has drastically improved the quality of my life in my relationships, in my self-confidence, in my ability to communicate so many different areas have been impacted and I want everyone to have access to that. And my wife joins me in that. And in our discovery of what that could look like, what opened up here in Cape Town was an opportunity to partner with an organization that is looking to integrate coaching into their ecosystem. Their ecosystem is one that serves entrepreneurs, youth entrepreneurs in Africa and the Middle East so really cool opportunity opened up and we hopped on it. So here we are um, consulting a little bit on this project. There's been some slowdowns because of COVID, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, the project is now back and active and slowly gearing up. So we're in the discovery of what that's going to look like to coach with them. And then afterward, what that's going to look like for coaching in general in this kind of space. Amazing. How long have you been there? Arrived here in January 2020 and we're recording now. It's July 2020. So just over half a year. Nice. So still relatively new, exciting times. Yes. Still familiarizing myself. If any one of our listeners have been to a new city, there's always kind of a ramp up period. I remember even in the first few weeks, it was, you know, transitions are challenging. Mm -hmm. Transitions uh, bring a lot of uncertainty uh, and then there's a lot of things to navigate moving to, for myself, a new country, new continent, 
thank goodness they speak this i speak the language here yeah but navigating simple things like what can i what can and can't i get at the grocery store there's not the same items here how am i going to maintain my fitness regimen where am i going to live what's a good neighborhood what's a bad neighborhood all these kind of small things keeping in touch with family and friends running my business making sure that i'm still touching base with my partner lots of different things kind of happening at once so it was a challenging transition it's fortunately been you know 6 months now so i've had lots of time to settle into routines that work navigating the grocery store has been a big one um so that's kind of where i'm at right now you can't change the time zone though can you <laughs> that's one, no. one one challenge that will will remain for sure yeah, absolutely. Definitely uh, communicating with people back home in North America, a little bit of a challenge. Right now, the time difference is six hours. It's quite manageable, actually. And most of my clients are in North America. So I just start my work day a little bit later than everybody else. <laughs> you get layered. That's what you get. <laughs> That's yeah. how it's worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So quickly before we get into uh, the specifics and the conversation around um, having difficult conversations, where did, where did coaching really start for you? Well, I can tell the story about how this really, the inception of this all was around communication, actually. And then coaching came a little bit later, if, if I can tell that story. Yeah, go for it. I had mentioned earlier that my wife and I did some adventurous adventuring, we'll call it. And it actually started in a 1984 GMC Vandura. And I don't know if you know what that is, but it is this old school van. It's got a pop top, a little kitchenette inside, a couple of benches that turn into a bed. And for years, we had talked about quitting our jobs, moving into a van and traveling around North America, doing the van life thing. And with discipline and diligence, we actually made that into a reality. Now, I'd been living with Laura, my partner, for a year. We'd been together for several years. We had talked about this pretty soon into the relationship, a little bit earlier than some people might be comfortable. But we knew that this was something that we wanted to do. And we had a really strong relationship. And I thought, you know, I'm, I was keen to quit the nine to five. I wanted to take a pause, figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And also deep down, get to be more clear that this is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. Although we lived together, we also worked 40 plus hours a week with commutes. So how well do you really know a person really, right? And what better way than to move into a tiny space together to get to know someone? Far away from everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and so we got into the van. I remember we left on this trip and we were so excited. We left at like 8 p.m. when the last of the renovations were finished. My mom, we were staying with her at the time. She insisted we stay home just one more night, leave when we're fresh in the morning. Not a chance, mom. So we drove off and I just remember being so excited and so giddy. And that lasted for like a few days because when you put two full-size adults in a space smaller than a jail cell, you know, get up in each other's personal space, right? And there was really a, a particular moment that came to that was the epitome of what was this, I would call a transition moment. We were cooking dinner in our van and I was sitting down cutting some vegetables and Laura was over the stove doing taking care of the frying and I said to her in a moment hey can you pass me that potato and she snapped at me 
She says, I'm doing something right now. Can't you see? And both of us were like, whoa, what just happened there? And that's really important because obviously I said, whoa, what happened there? Very obvious for me. But she also had the awareness like, whoa, I I don't know what happened. Like, I don't even know why I reacted like that. And it had been actually, this wasn't the first time that happened. It was actually a pattern we had noticed. And I don't remember how I reacted the first couple of times. I probably got defensive or I probably brushed it off, something like that. But this time we were like, whoa, something's up here. And then over dinner, we started having this conversation about what exactly happened. What, what was that? Let's, let's break this down. And what we discovered was I said, can you please pass me the potato? And a bunch of different things were interpreted in that moment. See, Laura grew up in a household with just her mom and her. And the name of the game was wait your turn, be patient. And so when she heard pass me the potato, what she heard was stop what you're doing and do what I'm telling you to do right now. So it's not a surprise she reacted the way she did. I grew up in a household with three kids. And if you didn't say what it is that you wanted in that moment, you better believe you weren't getting it. (laughs) Yep. So when I said, pass me the potato, what I meant was, whenever you're done doing that thing, no rush, pass me the potato. But what was said was, pass me the potato. Some simple words and two completely different meanings behind it. And so we came up with this plan where I was going to be more careful about you know, the specificity of the urgency of the task. Cause this had happened a few times. So we could identify a pattern. I would say when you have a moment, that was my big thing. I added that to the sentence when you have a moment, when it's not a rush and she would partner with me, you know, she knew I was working on this and she would be understanding, ask me when I forgot and the problem completely disappeared. And I was like, huh, there is something to this communication stuff. Because I always thought I was a great communicator, but there's something I don't know here. This is cool. And so I'm unemployed. I'm living in a van. So start reading lots of books, start doing lots of research. Turns out I'm a terrible communicator. I was a terrible communicator, (laughs) which was a surprise because I was a project manager in a big office. I mean, I worked in a huge company. I, I spoke to dozens of people a day in tons of different departments. And as you can tell, I'm a, I'm a pretty friendly guy. I'm a likable person. It's really easy to get along with me. But those difficult people in the office, oh man, they are so difficult. Not me though. No. Mm-hmm. And with this plan came also a lot of practice. Practice with my wife, hurt her feelings a bunch of times. That wasn't very nice. And I was also the weird guy at the campsite practicing all the things that I was reading about because I was so fascinated by it because I knew that there was something to there. And what came out at the end of this was a deep understanding of what worked and didn't work in communication. I had a profoundly new and connected relationship with my partner. And when I got home, I noticed that spreading to my relationships with my friends and my family as well. And that's when I knew that there was something really magical about this and I wanted to share it. And so that's kind of how I got into the space of communication. And then to your original question around coaching, uh, coaching is just a way to disseminate information. I could have become a trainer, a teacher, and I, and I am, I do, I do workshops and I train kind of that perspective as well. But coaching came because 
by the time we got home, we had dabbled in some online courses. We started paying for stuff and noticed the value increased tremendously once you start dropping some money on things. Mm -hmm. And so we got home, started taking some more in-person seminars and did coaching ourselves, like got coaches and just saw like a whole new level of transformation in who we were being in our lives. And um, the results showed. And so that's how we knew that this is something that at least I knew that this is something that I want to dedicate myself to is, is the art of communication and, and ultimately coaching as well. Having people discover the answers for themselves mm -hmm. um, so that they can live empowered and satisfying lives. I think it's interesting. I think most of us would probably think we're pretty good communicators. There's not many people that would turn around and say, no, I'm awful at it. We've all been doing it our entire lives. It doesn't mean we've been doing it very well, right? So with that in mind, what what are some of the 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 basics um that we could employ to become better communicators one thing that immediately comes to mind is really riding on what you just said it's this idea that well i've been speaking my whole life i'm a great communicator you and every person on the planet and yet look at all the conflict that we experience there's probably some cracks in that idea behind that. And I think the first step is in and willing, being willing to admit that maybe I haven't taken a look at my communication skills. Maybe my communication skills are actually completely unconscious and unintentional. So let me ask you, Dave, where did you learn how to speak English is your first language, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Where did you learn how to speak English? Parents. Primarily. And primarily your parents. Yeah. And where did your parents learn to speak English? Same place, their parents. And down, down, up and up the chain, I suppose. Yeah. 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 So we start to see this idea that our language is actually quite hereditary. Mm -hmm. it's, it's inherited. And often when we have these things that are inherited like that, especially if they seem to work well enough, rarely do we take the time to actually take a look at it. And so we have this communication that not just you, but all of us learn from previous generations and few, if any of us have really taken the look to bring that into our consciousness and, and say, and ask the questions, is this communication working or not? And there's a lot of our communication that is very ineffective at getting us what we want and ultimately really effective at fueling fires mm -hmm. rather than taming them. So I'd say that's the first step is being willing to consider the possibility that I am not as good of a communicator as I think. And I can tell you from my journey that the more I learn, the more I realize, wow, I got a long way to go. <laughs> and on my podcast, the mindful communication podcast, I have lots of communication experts and they'll tell you the same thing. They'll be the first to admit all of these communication mistakes that they make on a regular basis. These patterns are just so deeply ingrained in our brains. So it really takes time, years, decades to really come to and master these communication skills. But what a skill, right? We talk every day. We talk all the time. So it's a very valuable skill. And you have a so lot that of would opportunity be, to practice, I suppose, because we're, we're always doing it, right? 
And I think that's, it's interesting you bring that up because I think that's what makes communication skills actually one of the most challenging skills to master. Because unless you're hyper-conscious at all times, you're constantly repeating the same patterns again and again. And so creating those new patterns actually becomes really hard because unless you're paying attention all the time, you're going to default to those old patterns. And old patterns, just to give you and our listeners ideas, old patterns like blame, like defensiveness, like victimization, like aggressive, passive aggressiveness, like sarcasm, judging, diagnosing, criticizing. Those unhelpful communication patterns are deeply ingrained. And the moment you're not fully present, you just slip right into them. This, this literally just happened to me the other day. My wife came into the room and she said something, she shared something that was a little bit vulnerable something that she'd be kind of holding on to. And she said, I want to share this with you. And I just, I wasn't present for just literally a split second. And I kind of like dismissed it. I kind of said something like, oh, you'll be fine. I like discounted mm-hmm. what it is that she was saying. And in that moment, I created a disconnection between her and I. Now, we've both been working on our communication skills for quite some time. So it, it didn't take too long until I realized my grievous error I talked to her. I asked her what that was like for me not to be present in that moment. I apologized and I asked her what I could do next time to support her better. That, that kind of thing. But normally that would fester for days mm-hmm. and I would just be right about it. I would be right about the fact that, you know, she's just being what da 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 and, you know, I was being a jerk and we're just go- both going to be right. So, that is like the first part of it is, is understanding that communication is happening all the time. It's really difficult and complex and being willing to admit that, yeah, this is something that I can change. So I would start with that in terms of being willing to tackle some of these more difficult conversations for sure. Well, that's the, there's a couple of things I heard there just before I go specifically into how do we equip ourselves for those conversations. There's a couple of things is one, I think, um it's great emotional intelligence um highly important important for being able to, a you'll be able to reflect um and then have that conversation i think you have you both having that conversation early on in the van um takes a level of emotional intelligence in the first place that prevents it from going into like a, an explosion rather and into a, a rational discussion um and i think that's that's quite that that's quite difficult i think it's not something that we're all that well equipped with in the first place so it, it's unpicking that to begin with isn't it? it's creating that space between what's happened um and what could happen um and having that that rational conversation that is a that is a precious moment isn't it mm-hmm. and it doesn't it's really tough to come by i mean i still make these automatic snap reactions and I say things without thinking probably like half the day, like realistically, I don't know exactly what the statistics are, but it's something like half of our day is just we're on autopilot, right? It's the brain preserving energy. So yeah, having that, having that space, that little momentary gap in like stimulus response, I call it. That's a very magical moment. 
And one thing that you bring up that I love is this idea you mentioned, actually, maybe remind me, you mentioned something about being rational. Yeah. So is remote trying to remove that emotion it's the and um, you know, the other second part that i noticed really is parking the ego and that's so you've got the emotional intelligence part which enables you to have a conversation that is considering both sides of the story which is also backed up by you know when you just mentioned a second ago how you dismissed the comment and then you went back and said how and not being right as you maybe would have done in the past it's kind of a, a sacrificing of the ego at that point not to just perpetuate the situation which i find interesting and and that those two things i think are uh essential they're the starting point is what i see from com good communication is if you can uh have that emotional intelligence and park the ego the ego is probably our biggest enemy <laughs> for anything right that's that's what gets us into conflict of all dis all descriptions when it comes to being right it is so important to us that's the distinction i use is called being right you know if i'm in an argument and i'm saying no this is how it happened i'm just being right about it now one fundamental discovery that i made for myself is that a point of view is just a point of view. A perspective is just a perspective. And there are as many perspectives as there are people on this planet. You know, I have someone who's close to me, I'm gonna keep it anonymous, but they are what I would call a conspiracy theorist. They are just deep into the conspiracy theories. We're talking, and, no, and, and if our listeners are kind of in this as well, this is not a problem. This is their perspective on the situation, but they, you know, believe that there are psychopaths running the world, that there are pedophile rings and, you know, cabalists and Satanists and all of these things. And Trump is our savior and all sorts of stuff like that, right? Climate change is a hoax, vaccines, a hoax, all the whole shebang. It's all tied together. Now, this, as you can imagine, for me, who doesn't necessarily subscribe to these things, would be a challenging person to, de to be with. Probably be a challenging person to deal with. You can imagine, right? Mm -hmm. And what has, been, what has shifted for me in being willing to give up my perspective and recognize it as a perspective, as not the truth with the capital T, because that is something that we as human beings do not have access to when I'm willing to give up the fact that I don't know the truth, I just have my truth, I can actually really be with this person. And in fact, since I've been able to do that, my interactions, though not super frequent, whenever I do have interactions, I actually get to bring with myself a sense of curiosity. I get to ask questions, I get to listen, and oh boy, do they love telling me about it. And I get to listen, and then what I get to do at the end is I get to say, okay, well, what, what actions would you like me to take about this? And really like get it concrete. And sometimes there aren't really actions to take. Let's be real. One time it was like, well, I want you to stock up and have, you know, some supplies. It's not a terrible idea. I'll mm -hmm. have some extra cans of beans and some rice and water. And that's what I did. And, and you know, what, was, what, what came out of that situation was, was ultimately what really matters to me and my experience as a human being in those moments is I actually get to enjoy myself. 
So instead of feeling obligated to see this person, I have a more joyous experience. I have a more en enriched relationship because this person feels heard and understood. I get to appreciate them for who they are. Um, it's just overall my experience in life is, I would say, better. Yeah, because you're not pro projecting your perspective onto everyone else around you. You're able to open up and experience everything else for what it is. And I think that's, that's powerful. Yeah. Um, Karim. And, and, and that's really it. And it, and it sounds simple when I share it, although I, I can assure you and our listeners, this is a long time and I still fall into it all the time. We just have it that our perspectives are the truth with a capital T that, that we're right. And really mastering that mindset of really getting clear for yourself that you have a perspective and that's that it's uh, it's liberating it mm. really is liberating you know I, I can even think of another example uh especially here during covid i'm in cape town listen i see people not wearing masks all the time and i just see my brain running around and it's judging people and assessing and i can watch it i go my brain it just i have the perspective that people should wear their mask and they obviously have a different perspective. Yeah, sure. We want to do it for the common good and blah, blah, like all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just a perspective. I, 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 I can say that I'm right. I can have all the proof that I'm right. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to control them. I'm not going to tell them what to do. It's not the law. So they don't have to have their masks on. Um, they're choosing not to do it. I mean, getting frustrated about that kind of thing is only going to cause me to suffer. That's my suffering at stake right there. That's my experience in life at stake. So being able to detach, like you said, with the ego, have it kind of having it calm down a little bit only brings about more peace. That's at least my experience. So true. And I think one thing that I heard from, uh, from Sagaru was that really made me think and detach myself from right thinking you're right all the time was that you know he said everyone thinks they're right about everything but we don't even you don't even know which way is up we're on a on a round ball spinning in infinite space and we don't even know which direction is up how can you know anything else right you, nothing everything else is just a theory until proved otherwise and uh, that was quite freeing to to actually know you don't know anything really it's just until proved otherwise and, and gives a good perspective on stuff. One thing that I, I love, I kind of discovered for myself a few years back is even the idea of science. We have science as like the holy grail of yeah. truth for the capital T. Science is so subjective. Like there's, maybe you know this, like there's that experiment where when the observer effect Something yes. like that, like when the, there is an actual observer to the scientific experiment, it actually changes the data. Yes. Like that is, that is so wild that our subjective experience can impact science. Science in, 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 in and of itself, the, the whole idea of science is a consensus-based uh, you know, model. Yeah. Is that someone runs an experiment and they say, oh, I've deduced that this is true. Now you all go and try it yourselves and see if it's true. And they peer review it. And then a bunch of people will try to replicate the experiment. And then if it works, then we say, okay, we all agree that this is true now. It's just a consensus. It's just a bunch of people share the same perspective. 
with this scientific method, which is, you know, has served us tremendously. Look, we're talking, you're in the UK, I'm in South Africa, and we're having a conversation right now. Mm -hmm. Science has served us tremendously. But at the end of the day, it is based on that consensus. There's nothing true with a capital T behind it. So I just thought I'd share that nugget. Yeah, that was no, a cool I, I, I'm, for me. I'm exactly the same. I, I came to that same realization a while ago too. And it, again, that's quite, it just, it's quite fascinating because we take it as, as read because oh, it's definitely science, but what no one really talks about is how many of the theories, including a bunch of Einsteins that have got disproved as, as time goes on and, and new theories come along and they will also be, you know, retired at some point in the future as, as knowledge or understanding grows and, and experiments change and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, fascinating stuff. So let's get actionable. How do we equip ourselves for difficult conversations because i think most of us actually just tend to avoid them wherever possible and then we can't avoid them forever we end up in them and we're always worried about hurting people's feelings um or we just blunder in and do hurt people's feelings so how do we go about this in a way that allows us to be effective and it's it's good that you brought up those two because those are two usually of the polarities that we go to and those are exactly our fight and flight response, right? We either fight, we get competitive, we get aggressive, we explode, or we do flight and we avoid those difficult conversations. That is, that is a, um, you know, those are two options. They're not the only two options, but that's where we tend to go. And we tend to get really stressed about those because that's how our brain has reacted to them. There's like a stress response, right? So there's a few actionable tips that I wanna provide for our listeners in terms of heading into a difficult conversation. A few very tangible ones, and I'm gonna talk about a very powerful mindset as well to take in with you. The first thing before you're heading into a difficult conversation is before you even go into the conversation, get a piece of paper and write down what it is that you wanna say. I can't even tell you how valuable that is of just taking the time and getting clear on your thoughts and then even actually bringing that into a difficult conversation, it's not weird. It's actually, I would appreciate somebody who put thought into what it is that they want to say to me instead of rambling on. So I think that's the first step. The next thing in terms of a difficult conversation is make sure that, especially if it's one with one person in particular, that you have the time set aside to have the conversation. It's a difficult conversation. It doesn't have to take long, but the worst thing you can do is kind of catch someone in the last moment and say, hey, I really need to talk to you. I've been thinking about this for a while and they're thinking about something else. They're halfway out the door. You want to make sure that you have this time and calendar. And if the conversation does draw on longer, that it's not, they're not cut off by having to be somewhere else. So make sure to have that time and ideally in a private place as well. So if you're in the office, book a meeting room, if it's with someone at home, try to separate yourselves from anyone else in the house. Make sure that you are alone and have that privacy so you can be open and honest with one another. Then another important step is to, I like to think about this as if you're at a conference or a summit or even like a meeting, the first, one of the first things they do at the beginning of any of these things is they set an agenda right? They say, this is who's going to speak when, this is what we're going to talk about. 
And so that's what I recommend you do in these difficult conversations as well is set an intention for the conversation. Say, Hey, I want to talk to you about X, Y, Z. I hope that what we can do is come up with a solution for X, Y, Z. So really state your intention. And that goes into a whole, we're not going to dive into it, but a whole realm of attribution, uh, the fundamental attribution error where we just always, we just naturally assume people have bad intentions and we assume the worst in people, although that's rarely, rarely the case. And we just as humans care so deeply about what other people are thinking because our brains are wired to detect threats, right? And so if I don't know what you're thinking, David, then I'm going to be on guard. I'm going to be more on guard. And by stating my intention, by saying, this is what I want to talk about and da 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 up front, it's actually going to put them at ease and have them more willing to listen. So you wrote your things down, you got them in a room, you're like gonna have this conversation, you told them what it is you wanna talk about, why it's important to you, and now you're in the conversation. I have just a few more tips here to round off what it is that I wanna share. But before I do that, this is, this is what I love about communication, is I'm giving you all these tips, and they're solid tips. I've, I use these in my difficult conversations, and now I don't have nearly as many problems with difficult conversations is communication is this highly dynamic, unpredictable interaction. It's just in real time. You cannot predict what's going to happen. I can plan it out on that piece of paper as much as I want. And I have no idea what they're going to say. No matter how much planning I do, they can say something completely different just in a second. And it completely takes me in a different direction than I expected. Right. That's why I love communication. It's just, it's so, it's so neat. So a lot of these tips are helpful and saying the right words isn't necessarily going to make a huge difference because that's half the battle. The other half of the battle is who you're being in the conversation, being with their communication, being confident in your position and being willing to listen. Those are going to be the most valuable skills that are going to have you be able to dance in the conversation. That said, I am going to give you two very important tools that you can use in a conversation, depending on how it goes. The first is to make sure to take pauses. Pause before your responses. Take a breath. Breath, breathing, super, super important, especially when things get difficult. We tend to collapse our chest a bit. Breathing tends to tighten and shorten a little bit. Taking that deep breath helps big time. And then the other thing that I would recommend if things get really intense is to take a break or as I like to call it, a strategic delay. Okay. So you're not like breaking from this conversation. It's a very strategic delay. You need to gather your thoughts, gather yourself before you blunder in and say something you're going to regret. And don't just leave the conversation. You can tell them that you can say to the other person, you know what? I'm feeling really agitated. I just know I'm going to say something I'm a regret. Um, let's take a break for 20 minutes and let's come back and we're going to try again. Whatever it is that you need to say, but put in that pause because speaking when emotions are running high, you're more, much more likely to say things that you're going to regret. And what you really want to foster in the communication is clarity, is kindness, is honesty, is respect, empathy, not saying things that are brash and automatic and might be hurtful and just messy to clean up afterwards. So those are kind of two major tips when you're in the conversation. It sounds very much like um, 
back to the ego thing again. You know, the, that that taking the step back is giving chance for the ego to to die down because I think as the more the emotion rises, the ego gets fueled, and then that's what says the things that you're going to regret, isn't it? Right? You're going to as soon as that thing as soon as that thing gets in in charge, uh, you're in trouble. And I would love to actually ask you, David, because we've been talking a little bit about the ego. What does the ego mean for you? The ego for me, it's, yeah, it's a good question. How do I define the ego? The ego is, is, the, is the, the I that is separate from you and from everything else that doesn't really exist, but it does exist, if that makes any sense to you whatsoever. It's the thing that, like you said before, it's the thing that wants to be right. It's the thing that wants control. And it's the thing that you, that's the battle, right? Is the, is, is subordinating that ego to other things, to the greater good, to seeing the, 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 the connection and everything rather than the, the, the duality. It's more the polarity. Um, I think that's what ego means to me. Hmm. And I think that, you know, distinguishing those aspects of the ego is super important. Anytime that we're trying to be right, that I love what you said at the end there, the duality, you just, you know, you're in dangerous territory that is not going to ultimately serve you. And to what you said at the beginning of that answer, it's not who you really are. Yeah. So I think that those are important things to distinguish as well. The last thing I want to give for our listeners keeping these very highly practical tips is a powerful mindset. Now, when it comes to mindsets, mindsets aren't just things that you can transform into. They take time. They take practice. This is what I spend a lot of my time working on with clients is that mindset. It's that beingness because we can get all the words down. Those are actually pretty easy to get down those communication habits, but it's the mindsets that bring in a whole new dynamic of long lasting ability to handle these difficult conversations. And the mindset that I want to present you with is I'm going to invite you to consider that everyone on the planet is completely 100% rational. So again, I'm just going to invite you and our listeners to consider the possibility that everyone is in fact rational. Now, I'm offering this as a perspective. I'm not saying this is the truth. I'm just inviting you to consider it as a possibility, as a perspective, as a place to stand and, and in your interactions and see how this perspective may or may not serve you. I think of just a few weeks ago, I had this incident where this is going to this is ridiculous. Okay, so I was in the bath, like it was the, in the bathroom it was a beautiful day out. We had the window open and I walked into the bathroom and I saw bird poo on the windowsill. Like not even the window, a bird must've landed on the window and like <laughs> pooped right on the sill. And we got like a bunch of things sitting on the windowsill. And one of the things that I had sitting there was my, like I have like a night guard. So like I grind my teeth at night. Mm -hmm. So I got one of these like fancy guards so that I keep my teeth nice and, you know, not grinded. And so it was sitting there and the bird poo just missed it. But I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm definitely going to sterilize the crap out of this thing. And my wife suggested, oh, yeah, we'll just boil that. 
I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. What a great way to sterilize my mouth guard. So boiled some water, let it sit on the stove, and then popped it in, set the timer for three minutes. And when I came back, I noticed that my mouth guard was kind of wobbly looking. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. And I took it out. And of course, it's made of a particular material that you're not supposed to boil because it deforms it. And I kind of knew this because I clean it, you know, with, I brush it every day, but every once in every few days, I, I use this little tablet to like sterilize it and stuff like that. But the thing is, is at the time when my wife made that suggestion, I thought critically to myself, what's the best way to clean this thing? Why on earth would I choose an option that would deliberately destroy this thing? I really weighed out my options. I asked myself, is this the best option? And I said to myself, yeah, it is. This is completely rational. This makes so much sense. In that moment of awareness, that option that was available to me made the most sense. Now, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. I definitely would not like to have done that. But at the time, I was being completely 100% rational. And that is what's happening in our lives all the time we are consistently making the best decision available to us given our level of awareness. Now over levels of awareness, they fluctuate from moment to moment. But especially when we're having those difficult conversations about something that was done or something that was said, consider that at the time, that person was being completely 100% rational. And when you're having this difficult conversation with them, they're going to continue to be very rational. They're going to base what they say and do on their own reasons. Rationality is like having reasons, right? And yeah. they're going to choose the best option available to them. Always. How many times can you think of in your life where you looked at the, all the options and you thought, I I'm not going to choose the best thing for me. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen. Unless that was a deliberate choice. And then you thought that was the best to choose that non-deliberate best option. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a really powerful mindset. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? That's really interesting. Very, very interesting. And I can, I can see the power in taking that perspective because you're absolutely right. No, no one in their right mind chooses the worst option unless it's completely altruistic and, you know, a, 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 an unselfish act for whatever reason. Generally, we're going to take, we very quickly, consciously or subconsciously assess a situation and choose the best and safest path forward. So it's a, it's a survival instinct more than anything. Um, exactly. And so to be able to have that third party perspective is, an, is, a, is helping to create that pause, isn't it? It's, it's helping to create that pause between the, the stimulus and the response that we, we spoke about earlier. And uh, yeah, I'm going to employ that. It's, it's really good. I like it. Um, so I know we're coming a bit close to the end um, and I think we'll have to come on to how do we use conflict um, to, you know, as a tool for our own growth uh, into, in, a, in a later conversation. But before we go, um, I want to just give you a quick, quick fire round on a few questions that um, I'm going to take through. I've been taking through uh, a few people through. Um, to get your take on these uh, we don't have long so you have to get you're gonna have to come whatever comes to mind quickest comes out so number right, one let's do 
let's go. Number one, do you have a morning routine? If so, what is it? Oh yeah, definitely have a morning routine. And if our listeners don't have a morning routine, you'll get on the morning routine train. My morning routine, I meditate for one hour every morning. And then I do a little bit of exercise, not very long, just some rehab stuff. And then I'm on with my day. Nice. Very good. Three books you'd recommend and why? Three books I'd recommend. One all-time favorite book, Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Just the story of Very humans. Yeah. Such a good book. Um, yeah. Just read it if you haven't read it. I don't even know why you haven't read it, read it yet. Um, another book, very profound and impactful communication book is Nonviolent Communication. Completely changed my perspective on communication. And a third book, I'm going to go with, I'm going to, I'm, I just, I can't even think there's like so many books that I have. Give me a, give me a topic that, that you think is interesting. And I'll tell you a book around that topic. Um, that's a good question back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, development of any personal development of any sort. Cause there's, there's a lot of books out there. What would you narrow down? You know what? Actually, that's a great question. I would say uh, success principles. Uh, it's just a great uh, book. Jack Canfield writer of um, chicken soup for the soul incredibly successful individual and he wrote a book it's like 60 something chapters each chapter is a success principle a principle that with which if you live by you will see success in all its in all its ways and perspectives you will see that in your life so i would definitely recommend that book great recommendation three people to follow or listen to three people to follow or listen to Admittedly, I don't follow or listen to too many, but in terms of pot, uh, uh, YouTube, I really love, uh, in a nutshell, the Kyrgyz got videos. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've seen those. They're these animated videos that are really well-researched. Absolutely love those. Um, in terms of podcasts, because we're on a podcast, uh, one thing I love, Sam Harris, he just has really smart people on his show. So I absolutely love listening to that podcast. And another podcast that I listen to pretty frequently is uh, Brooke Castillo's Life Coach School podcast. She has been a life coach for like 20 years. She just knows a lot about life. And um, I love life and I think it's interesting. So I would recommend that podcast. Nice. I'll check them out. Uh, three, and I've cast these as like tools, systems, software, apps, whatever that you couldn't live without now. My Google Calendar that I check 15 times a day minimum. Calendly to book all of my everythings. <laughs> and um, I'm just going to check my phone here to see what apps I particularly use a lot of. And uh, I would say, I don't know, I use a meditation app. I guess that's pretty important because I meditate every day. And I would recommend, again, everyone, if you're not on the meditation game, I highly recommend getting yeah. on that yeah i got on that about a, only about a year ago but it's it's transformational yeah it's well. it's a long burn and it is absolutely transformational last question if you could spend one hour with anybody dead or alive who would it be i would spend one hour assuming this is a real person with the buddha siddhartha gautama amazing because i think he'd have some wisdom to share <laughs> i think he might yeah Un unbelievable 
Very good. That is all my questions for you. And we're just about out of time. So before you disappear, um, let everyone know where they can find you, find out more. Uh, obviously, I'll put links anyway once this goes out, but um, let everyone know where they can find you. Certainly. Two places. One, my Mindful Communication podcast. Check that out. And the other one's my website. You'll include it in the show notes, mindfulcommunication.me, where I have two resources that you can check out. One is free. It's a four-part conflict transformation video training series to resolve any and all conflicts. It's an amazing two, three-week program. Uh, highly recommended. Amazing videos, amazing email follow-ups to really sink in those learnings. And then the second resource is called Tough Talks Made Easy. And what it is is a 45-minute consultation with me. And what we get to do is we get to tackle a tough conversation that you've been avoiding. So we talked about avoiding or exploding. Well, we'll look at some other alternatives through that and find a natural and powerful way for you to actually have that conversation with the person that you've been avoiding. So you can do it confidently, powerfully, and have it go with ease. And you can use the promo code POCKET50 for 50% off that. Um, so don't delay that difficult conversation. Have it go painlessly and find that piece that you're looking for. Amazing. Great stuff. Well, we will definitely do this again. We've got so many more topics that we, we can cover uh, and not enough time today, unfortunately. So yeah, we'll be back. Uh, Jonathan, thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. Cheers, mate.